X-Ray. And welcome to the Beervana Show, broadcast in Portland on X-Ray FM and available anywhere on your favorite podcast service. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Patrick. How are you doing? I think I'm fine. Are you sitting in your living room? No, I'm sitting in my office. Ooh, you're in your office. I'm in my office too. So we are we are podcasting from our respective offices, different parts of Portland, Oregon, U.S. We are indeed. Yeah. <laughs> Respecting social distancing uh, and uh, using the inner tubes to to communicate, just like you know, cans and soup cans and string. It's 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 the way we live now. <laughs> uh, which, which goes to show, you know, this would have this uh, uh, if the, had the coronavirus hit in I don't know 1990, it would have been so much more painful. What would we have done? Yeah, no actually, internet. I actually talked about that a lot, especially as a parent and the kids. My kids, you know, my uh, my high school age son was doing. Uh, he was actually uh, finishing high school at this community college, so he was taking online classes through them and then my school my son's school was going online and my wife is a grade school teacher so she was doing online stuff and i was thinking yeah imagine this 20 years ago like but what i mean what on earth would have happened they would have put a bundle of of xerox pages together that you're supposed to go and do on your own or something but yeah it really shows you the power of this sort of interconnected information age and how much better we can cope like all this uh, remote uh, work, work from home stuff, even just entertaining ourselves like Netflix. Thank God for Netflix. <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah, we complain about this a lot. And I, you know, I mean, I, I'm I, I, I do, so I'm sympathetic with myself, but boy, it could be so much worse. Yeah. Uh, so um, it still sucks. It still sucks. But here, <laughs> but here we are enjoying each other's company, virtual though it may be. Yeah. Uh, able to release. Uh, wonderful content into the X-Ray network, as well as the podcast multiverse. That's right. And you, my friend, are Jeff Allworth. Uh, you are the author of several books, including The Bear Bible and The Widmer Way. That's all true. Uh, you are Patrick Emerson. You are a professor of economics at Oregon State University. Go Beavs. Go Beavs. Uh, yeah. But it's summertime. Uh, and so... Uh, we think about beer, and not only we think about beer, but we think about beer all over the U.S. and all over the world. So today's podcast and show will be uh, dedicated to days, <laughs> days ahead, <laughs> in which yeah. in which you can you can travel and seek out beer. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's a bit of a theme on our podcast. We've tried to, and we, maybe uh, not not quite as successful as we would as our aspirations, uh, but we have tried to travel to places and the beery places like Seattle and Bend and report back about what we found. Uh, and that's not possible now. Yeah. And in fact, uh, we had, we were working on a trip to Vancouver, British Columbia, uh, when the virus reared its ugly head. Um, and pretty soon it became clear that we were not going to be able to accomplish that. Um, in fact, you suggested like right at the outset of the coronavirus, when I think school had already been canceled, but nothing had been closed down, you said, "Hey, maybe we should just do this thing. Like we're free. Let's let's go to Vancouver." And then almost immediately, everything. Yeah. <laughs> like, nope, that's not <laughs> that's not on at all. Uh, yeah. So we uh, 
we love to do it. We love to travel. And what's um, great about craft beer these days is it's um, micro in the sense that it's local. It represents, uh, it reflects the community and the culture in which it resides. And so traveling to different places uh, is really fun. You learn about the beer, but you also learn about the, the culture and um, the influences that's embodied in the beer, ingredients, techniques, uh, palate, those kinds of things. Absolutely. Drinking culture, all that stuff. Yeah. So uh, today we are going to try to uh, do something uh, in that vein because we like to visit beer-centric places and report on what we, ha- uh, we found and we can't do that. Uh, we're going to start a series of virtual tours. We're going to tap into the knowledge and experience of locals who will give us a guide to their hometowns. Uh, we're going to start today in one of America's most famous beer cities, San Diego. And soon we'll welcome the writer and native San Diegan, Beth Demon, to give us a tour. So this is going to be our first our first foray into trying to uh, do some virtual tours, give you a break from the ugly realities of the coronavirus and think about uh, days uh, you can start tran- uh, planning your trips uh, as we take you virtually through these great beer cities. And there isn't much uh, greater a beer city in uh, the United States than San Diego. Um, place that I've, and I think you as well, have had an opportunity to visit and um, taste some yeah. great local beer. But I think in both cases, we've just scratched the surface. We can't say that we really have done San Diego. In a Absolutely. Yeah, it was never, I, I, you know, I was in San Diego for other reasons and never had a chance. You know, I tried to find as much local beer as possible, but uh, that's not the same as actually going there purposely to, uh, to check out the beer scene. So we will do that virtually um, with Beth as our guide. All that coming up next, but first, the news. Relevant to our discussion today, we report that California Governor Gavin Newsom on July 13th reclosed most of the state. Most indoor gathering spots were closed, including restaurants, theaters, museums, but outdoor establishments, including restaurants, breweries, wineries, and bars, were also ordered shut. So when we turn to Beth soon, we'll be thinking about what San Diego will be like in some future time, hopefully soon. Yeah, this is, a, this is not a great development that uh, the coronavirus uh, has taken the upper hand again. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting. You know, we're seeing we're seeing some spiking in different states and, and California, uh, which handled the early onset of the coronavirus so well. Model, absolute model state uh, is also the first state to reclose. So that's, uh, you know, it's, it's fairly interesting. Yeah. The um, the West Coast has been trying to coordinate as much as possible. And they all in, in sort of in general, I think you can say Oregon, Washington, and, and California all did a pretty good job dealing with the first wave. Uh, yeah. And I, and, uh, I think this, in, in, in that sense, I know that um, nationally you can still consider it sort of the, the ongoing first wave, but I think in the West Coast you can kind of start thinking this as the second wave that's hitting again. And so now we're going to have to rethink a lot of the opening that's happened. In Oregon, yeah. we, haven't, we haven't progressed very far, at least not in Portland. Um, so, uh, so they're still holding pat for now, but we'll see. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. Uh, you see that there, there's some ways in which uh, statistics, you know, it's that damn lies and statistics thing. Yes. Uh, California is is high. Uh, when you look at the list of uh, states, California is high on that list. But California actually remains relatively low per capita 
Right. Um, you look at per hundred thousand or per million, depending on how their people are counting. Uh, California is below the national average, even even now, even though they're, they're spiking. They have something like 20 percent of the entire population of the country. Right. Uh, so the fact that Newsom decided to close it down. I mean, there's some hotspots. LA is pretty bad, but um, uh, goes to show an abundance of caution in in California, and that's an interesting counterpoint to places like Arizona and Florida and Texas. Right. Yes, that is. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting. I guess that will uh, can't we can't know what Beth will say, but I'm guessing that may come up. Yeah. All right. So the second item uh, is a small item, but it somehow rankled me, uh, and I put these together, so I put it on the list. Brewdog, the Scottish brewery that launched itself on a branding branding platform of punkish nonconformity, announced last week that they would be releasing a seltzer. No. They're still a business, no matter how punk you are. Uh, they were never a punk thing well anyway let me <laughs> let me let me continue on uh, perhaps realizing this cut against their outsider pose the the brewery po- uh, posted a long explanatory letter on the website blaming the coronavirus for the oh pandemic. yeah they write uh, a lot among the many things they write they wrote to uh, try help uh, our business get through this crisis we have been fast tracking some of our innovation projects clean and press is one of these innovation projects and um, I was you know, the reason this rankled me was a few reasons first of all I, I feel like Brewdog was always uh, a highly packaged and merchandised uh, enterprise from the very start even when they were super tiny the founders really knew where they were headed and and it yeah. was uh, it was for big and they were they were really uh, focused on that. But I guess the second thing that really irritates me and close readers of my blog, of which there are like eight people out there, uh, <laughs> will, will know that uh, this was... <laughs> Present company excluded. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, this word innovation really pisses me off. I mean, uh, yeah. the thing is, uh, you are not innovating anything if you're the 948th brewer to make a seltzer. You are doing the opposite of innovating. You are trying to get in on a declining uh, opportunity and so don't don't use the word innovation project yeah innovation was a very poor choice of words uh, <laughs> it's perfectly fine to say our business is hurting we're going to try to try to hitch our wagon to this fast moving train that appears to be <laughs> uh pulling everyone along and so we're going to make a seltzer just like everybody else thank you yeah Nope, they couldn't do it though because they're too punk. They had they couldn't they couldn't do that. So anyway, sorry, uh, Brewdog, send us beer. Uh, you know we'll interview somebody if you want. But uh, man, that that was not cool. <laughs> yeah, but they're Scots, so you know. I I would like to talk to uh, one of the one of the founders in what I assume is a crazy accent. <laughs> the Scottish broke. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Um, I don't think there's any way to dress up making seltzer other than yeah we want to sell we want to make money so we're doing seltzer all right uh a week ago two new books hit the market pete brown's craft and argument and andreas krenmer yeah i don't i don't actually know andreas krenmer's vienna lager both were anticipated releases that created quite a bit of buzz when they hit the market but here's the interesting thing both were also self-published yeah so that a beer writer wrote that yeah, so, cle- <laughs> so clearly uh, I have a I have a particular interest in this, uh, in this thing, but I mean I would have to say Pete Brown is probably uh, the most 
um, well, he's certainly the most prolific beer writer working today. I, I, uh, my, my guess is he's, well, he's among, he's among three or four of the most famous beer writers as well. Yeah, it's, hard sure. to, it's hard to, <laughs> it's hard to gauge because none of us are very famous, but, um, uh, the fact that, he, that Pete would decide to pursue self-publishing is fascinating because he's got a pretty decent platform and he, um, he could have, you know, and has done, uh, many, uh, of these projects through regular publishers, but he wanted to write a book that he didn't feel was going to be appealing to a regular publisher. So he did that. That's a shorter book. Um, and then Andreas uh, did a super deep dive into one beer style. Also, I think the kind of thing that is not going to appeal to a major publisher. Yeah. But, but um, and I've read both of these books, uh, and especially Andreas's um, is full of interesting. I, I shouldn't say especially. Andreas is full of interesting and nerdy information for the historical fiend. Mm-hmm. Um which just doesn't have a big audience, but which for those group of people who are interested in it is going to be gold. Um, and so it's great that he went ahead and did that. And I just, I, I, I'm quite interested in this approach and I'll, I'll confess, uh, I have a book, uh, pitch that I am talking to, uh, Christy Switzer at Brewers publication that I may actually self-publish myself. So it's interesting to me to see how these projects work. I've got my eye on them. And if they're, if they're successful, uh, I may push ahead on a self-publishing. And if they're not, I may um, beg Christy to give me some uh, safe port. Yeah. Well, so for you beer nerds out there, go look for Pete Brown's Craft and Argument and Andreas Krenmer's Vienna Lager and uh, show that this self-publishing the gig economy is live and well. <laughs> you can self-publish a book and, and do all right by it. That's true. All right. Well, we should turn to our main topic. Uh, and our main topic, as we mentioned, is our virtual beer city tours. Uh, Beth Demon is a freelance writer living in San Diego. Uh, we like to think of her as a beer writer, but in fact, she writes about food, travel, coffee, music. Uh, and although she grew up outside Washington, D.C., she has been in the San Diego area for over a decade. Certainly long enough to give us a complete insider's tour to what may be America's best uh, beer city. So we will uh, turn now to uh, Beth and her taking us through San Diego. Uh, welcome, Beth. Are you there? I am here. How are you doing? We pulled that off. Okay, excellent. Uh, the cool thing is uh, with this coronavirus is that it allows us to connect in a way we probably wouldn't have before with people uh, thousands of miles away. So that's a cool thing. I do I do like that. I've also been able to get my hands on some beer I wouldn't normally. And so that's been a little bit of a silver lining in this as well. I'll take my wins where I can get them. Yeah, we have to do that. So uh, we... We, that was a bit of a canned intro, and I just want to check in. Did we get everything right? Uh, would you like to add anything about your uh, your your background, um, especially if you'd like to go a little bit further than the, the broad strokes there? Sure. Yeah. I, I don't know. Is, is Patrick okay? <laughs> I'm I'm well, thank you. Oh, I hear. I hear coffee anyway no, um, that's one of that's one of my aforementioned teenage boys that's uh, causing a lot of ruckus in the background i've got a, i've got a couple of years before i hit the teenage boy years so i'll uh, i'll take your word for it but no uh the intro was great especially uh especially you know kudos on pronouncing the name right i know how that, that people get tripped up on that but yeah no i've been in san diego since 2008 and uh even really before that i'm actually 
from the Los Angeles area and I just I grew up in Virginia but my entire family on both sides is is from and still in Southern California so I I've really been coming out here my my whole life and then one day I just came out and never looked back and why would I San Diego's the best <clears throat> well yeah um it, it I'm sure it's nice <laughs> We did. We did have a weather off, and weirdly, Portland is winning today. But uh... <laughs> and in that weather off, because uh, I guess that we, I guess we have this connection, which is very nice. Uh, we're both trying to find out whose uh, temper, who, whose climate is most temperate, which is uh, delightful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are. Uh, admittedly, we are wimps here in San Diego when it comes to to anything above seventy seven or below seventy one, and we're at about eighty one today. So you know, it's like everyone's melting down but that's you know that's okay i got a cold i got a cold beer to keep me company oh very nice what do you tell us what you're drinking uh i've got a ponto it's a session ipa from one of the absolute quintessential uh brewery beer pubs uh pizza port so they're very very og and this is four and a half percent and perfect for you know it's not even four o'clock here yet so i gotta keep it cool pizza right. port is perfectly og that's awesome yeah. That is awesome, and we want. I want you to tell us about the OGs, but first, uh, the 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 conceit of this podcast is Patrick and I pining to travel and not being able to travel, and wishing we could touch down in San Diego, mm-hmm. do one of those corkscrew landings into your the dead center of your city, yeah. uh, uh, which is bump off of Balboa Park and crash land. <laughs> <laughs> If nobody's ever uh, flown into San Diego, it's one of the weirdest experiences. Um, we do get used to it. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, the geography of uh, San Diego. Um, I know it's uh, it's kind of spread out, and a lot of times when people talk about San Diego, they're talking about the county and not just the city. So mm-hmm. will you give us, give us kind of an overview? If somebody wanted to travel to San Diego, what – what are the spots they would want to go to um, and how would they, what are, what are clever ways to think about getting to the different places in San Diego? To drink beer specifically? Yeah. I mean, honestly, if you are going to try to come to San Diego and drive as little as possible, but drink as much beer as possible, you got to go to North Park. I lived in North Park for 10 years. I just moved away in, in 2018, a little bit further east, because um, I wanted a garage and more than one bathroom, you know, the big things in life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a house that wasn't uh, nearly 100 years old. But uh, yeah, I mean, North Park is home to some of the best breweries in San Diego. And most of them are satellite tap rooms, but not all. Uh, you know, Second Chance Beer Company, they're up in, in North County, and they've got a satellite tap room right on 30th Street, which is, I would consider, one of the best, if not the best, beer streets in America. I mean, you can start up from the very north part of it in a neighborhood called Normal Heights, and from there, uh, you'll hit Fall Brewing, which is one of my favorite neighborhood spots in an old like converted mechanic garage. Um, and, and you just make your way, you know, slowly south. It's about a mile and a half, but in that mile and a half stretch, it's something like 15 breweries. And for, not to mention 
a homebrew shop and some beer bars and restaurants that are super craft beer centric. So North Park is a fantastic place to go. Miramar is a little bit north, so you would definitely have to drive there. Um, and you would really need a car to get around, but they've definitely got some some insane places to go as well. I mean, Alesmith, their growth plan, instead of having kind of their original brewery and then having extension satellite tap rooms across the county, they just stayed in a spot that was way too small for 10 years and and put all of that money into a gigantic huge facility that basically takes over an entire cul-de-sac and i mean that's just a destination in itself so you know miramar and, and then around the corner they've got places like uh you know pure project mickler there, there's other great places to go but it is a little bit more uh you know reliant on a car and then if you're up in north county which is you know gosh Forty-five minutes from downtown San Diego, up in Oceanside, it's it's fantastic. They've really gone over, um, gone through a renaissance of food and drink over the last, I'd say, even five years. And so, Bagby Beer Company is a huge, sprawling indoor/outdoor complex with, uh, you know, Jeff Bagby is the owner and and uh, brewer there and he's a very very decorated home brewer that has been pro for a, a long long time and i mean they just put out a bonanza of high quality beers if it's coming out of bagby you know it's good and so and and they're just one of probably a dozen breweries that have opened in in oceanside alone so it's i, I mean there are certain places across neighborhood that are kind of their own little centric bubbles but if you if you're trying to make the most of your time north park is probably going to be uh, your best bet and it's certainly a safe bet so i'm looking at a map right now and, and north park is just north of downtown is that right yeah just a little northeast uh it's probably about from the from the tarmac of the airport to the heart of north park i would say is 15 minutes door to door it's an easy easy ride share ride or uh you know taxi ride or, or whatever it's it's pretty easy to get there gotcha and then normal heights is just a little bit northeast of north. that and yeah. then uh, miramar is north so we're talking about just going north so you go downtown you just go north you're good you know and and that brings up a really good point because a couple of years ago there was kind of a movement called south bay uprising and that was the the craft beer community south of downtown so it's often those are areas that are often overlooked by people who are visiting because they are a little bit more residential they're closer to the border i mean downtown san diego is only i think 17 miles away from the border with mexico so a lot of a lot of people just don't go south of downtown because that's just not the demographic that they're used to or or you know what have you but barrio logan is a you know historically hispanic community that's that's basically adjacent to downtown and they've got their very own really kind of an insular but exploding brewery and, and food scene and art scene there in barrio logan i mean border x they've been you know tapped by james beard with uh, some recognition and they're opening the uh mujeres brew house which is going to be San Diego's first Latina women-founded and led beer education uh, facility, operational brewery, 
Um, it, it's, it's a place where women and really anybody are welcome to come and learn the basics of beer, how to get into the industry, how to brew, how to beer tend, how to, how to do anything relating to uh, the professional beer industry. And so I think there's going to be a lot of exciting things coming uh, from places that have been historically overlooked or underserved. That's really cool. We should, we, I, I hadn't even, I have a list of kind of areas to explore, but I had not uh, thought of the obvious thing, which is uh, San Diego is basically a border town. Yeah. And um, I've been to Tijuana and, and seen some breweries in Tijuana. And I know that there's a huge amount of conversation that goes back and forth between Tijuana and San Diego. So that's a super cool thing, but let, let's not start there uh, just because um, San Diego is uh, one of the, it was one of the first American cities to develop its own indigenous craft beer scene. Um, and it has a bunch of stalwarts. You've mentioned one port, uh, pizza port, uh, but there we, we talk, can you give us a, like a historical overview of San Diego and what, what, who the OGs are? And if people are going to go, like, I think it's always important to touch, have a touchstone with, uh, the OGs because they sort of set the, the tenor for what, how the, the the culture develops in a city. So uh, we definitely want to get to the new cool kids, but let's talk about some of the people who founded the city and, and really made it what it was. Well, you can't talk about San Diego beer without mentioning places like Stone. I mean, they were just so far ahead of their time and like them, hate them, indifferent about them. They're here to stay and they really set a lot of the tone just in terms of the palette of San Diego beer, as did places like Carl Strauss. You know, we talked a little bit about Alesmith, uh, Ballast Point, of course. I mean, they've certainly been a bit of a roller coaster for anybody who, <laughs> who's very dedicated to the idea of independent craft beer. But uh, yeah, hey, they're back in the fold in, in indie beer. And I think as far as I know, they're back in the San Diego Brewers Guild now that they're not owned by Constellation Brands. So, so I mean, Stone, I do like to tell people if you're going to visit San Diego and you can, if you're in North County and you can only go to one place, Stone, the, the World Gardens and Bistro, it is a great place. I mean, it is a bucket list place for people who have never been there before. It's a beautiful facility. They've got a ton of great beer coming out of it. And I think they're easy to overlook. They've almost been a victim of their own success. You know, some people don't like Greg Cook's personality, whatever. But you can't argue that they haven't made an absolute humongous impact on San Diego beer and how it's, uh, you know, portrayed across the world. Carl Strauss has been around since, you know, the late 80s. We're talking the late 80s, early 90s was kind of this very, very first wave of breweries that were coming back online um, in San Diego in general. But I would say that the current wave that we're in, where we went from, you know, 20 breweries to over 150 really started in the mid 2000s. And I think we've plateaued a little bit, you know, even besides Corona. I don't think we've hit the limit by any means. If you look at just the economic numbers of it, there's still plenty of places that don't have any breweries or have one brewery. Uh, and, and so I think that we're going to see more and more breweries uh, coming out of San Diego. I think, you know, once coronavirus, we kind of figure out the, the economic 
and business implications of that. But, but yeah, I mean, uh, there's, there's a lot of people who've been at this for, you know, 30 years and, and they're certainly not going anywhere. So let's talk a little bit about Stone. Uh, Stone is an interesting brewery. You mentioned that um, there's some some blowback uh, with Stone, and um, I, I've been a little bit critical of them. But I'm also really impressed with uh, you know what they've accomplished, mm-hmm. and uh, they were an incredibly important brewery in the 1990s when they released their their really in your face beers. Talk about what. What, where is Stone in 2020 in in the San Diego scene? How do how do people feel about them? What are they doing beer wise that's interesting or not? Uh, like, yeah, talk a little bit about that. Patrick, do you have some comment there too? Well, I was going to just ask a very similar question, which is the sort of evolution we've seen in Portland is that a lot of those original brewers are now fading uh, or even gone. Uh, the Whitmers, the Bridgeports uh, up, up in Portland, and so I'm wondering what sort of the dynamics of the the San Diego scene are um, uh, with the Carl Strauss and Stone and those types of brewers. So that's sort of a, a related question. Sure. I, I would say that people in San Diego typically aren't reaching for a Stone IPA for the first thing coming out of their fridge. I think it's partially just the craft beer culture in general, where people are looking for new flavors and looking yep. for, uh, you know, the next thing that nobody else has had that's exciting or you know bright and shiny and new that being said they certainly aren't going anywhere and i think that they are a backbone of what makes san diego a draw and gives us a lot of credibility um in in the beer industry and i i will be the first to criticize them in just in terms of some of the stuff that's coming out of there i mean i i remember getting a bottle of some imperial stout with like, you know, there's 17 adjuncts in it, and it was just completely in, undrinkable. I'm and, and there's a lot of that kind of stuff coming out of Stone, and they're proud of that. And that's and that's fine. If you need to rely on, on the fact that you're not for everybody and you're specifically going to take yourself out of the running for certain palettes, that's, that is your business, and no shame in that game. You certainly seem to be doing fine. That being said, I do think that they're, they have a lot of foresight and – the foundation to be able to uh, look at things like low calorie IPAs. They came out with one uh, a couple months ago, sometime last year, called Never Ending Haze. That was a low calorie hazy IPA. Phenomenal, so good. One one of the best low calorie, low ABV IPAs or anything that I've had in a long, long time. I think it was probably equally as good as the Firestone Walker, uh, the, the low calorie, low ABV IPA that they put out. And so they've certainly got plenty more hits in their portfolio and, you know, their branding can be kind of dorky and, and that's fine. And you know, I don't, I don't even really care about that kind of stuff. As long as you're not doing something racist, sexist, misogynistic, <laughs> I don't care. So, so they've, you know, not everything is, is a hundred percent, of a win with them, but I think they do a lot for the scene in general. I, you know, they they're participating in a collaboration brew right now with the San Diego Brewers Guild to help raise money um, for the Brewers Guild so that we can continue doing operations and, uh, you know, even things like the inclusion committee that launched last year through the guild. That's a huge uh, initiative that I'm very proud to be a part of. And without 
businesses like Stone who have the capital to help support uh, collaborations and fundraising initiatives like this, we might not be able to do things like that. So, you know, hats off to Stone. I mean, Stone also, I think, doesn't get enough credit for uh, being kind of on the vanguard of the juicy phenomenon. Um, And I'm wondering if you visited Stone now, would you find interesting beers? Would uh, are they pushing the envelope and just not getting credit for it because you know they they've they've become kind of a victim of their own success? Or uh, where how are they doing as a brewery? Do you feel? I wouldn't say that they're blowing anybody's minds with being on the vanguard in such an unbelievable, impactful way that they're changing the trends themselves. But it's high quality stuff. Yeah, They have the means and capability and brewers to be able to put out good beer. It might not be a particular style that you care for, but not a lot of stuff coming out of there is infected or damaged or, or just poor quality from what I'm, from, I mean, from what I've had. So, I mean, I think that they aren't, they are a little bit paralyzed by their size in terms of the fact that they probably wouldn't be able to pivot super fast, like a, you know, a, a medium sized or a really small brewery who has a much smaller system who might be able to, you know, get the beer in their, that's in their tanks into cans a little bit faster and then try something new. They, they probably can't be as agile as some of the smaller guys, but I think that they, uh, they they should get they should get plenty of credit for the stuff that they put out. And when you go to a stone brewery or or a tap room, it's not incredibly nothing is going to blow your socks off in terms of like oh wow they've got a dark mild or wow they've got like a great doppelbox or something. <laughs> you know it's a lot it's a lot of ipas it is it's a, right. a lot of ipas but you know what their lights are still on and they're chugging along so i can't blame them for that business decision yeah you mentioned carl strauss which is one of these breweries i'm reminded of uh, breweries that we've had in, in portland that are kind of you know, institutions, but don't distribute widely beyond Portland. And so people are unaware of them. Carl Strauss kind of is like that in, in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, so talk a little bit about them. I, my sense is I'm talking to San Diegans, uh, their reputation is actually uh, pretty stellar amongst San Diego folk. Is that, is that true? Are they continuing to uh, grow and change and, and, and be a part of the conversation? Yeah. I mean, I think unlike Stone, Carl Strauss doesn't really piss anybody off. <laughs> so, you know that's that's their that's their decision and and that's cool and i mean they're they have a an annual event in january called the changing the barrels that is absolutely one of i would say top five beer events in san diego hands down i mean the stuff that they hold on to their barrels and and they put out interesting things. You know, I said you probably wouldn't find a Dark Mild or a Doppelbock at Stone. You might find that at Carl Strauss. And they've got phenomenal IPAs as well. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Red Trolley, just personally. But that was another beer that I think really helped uh, San Diego gain credibility as a, as a beer powerhouse. And so, I mean, their Mosaic IPA is is absolutely phenomenal. They, they've got a lot of great stuff. And same thing, the quality is there. It's consistent. I think they're innovative. And 
for a while, I will admit that when I was kind of starting to get into craft beer, you know, 10 plus years ago as a new San Diegan, I didn't think much. Uh, I, I sort of put Carl Strauss and Stone in the same box, but I, I think that they, they've taken two divergent paths in the craft beer scene, and both of them have, have been successful in their own ways. And I think that they've been smart to diversify not only the beers that they're putting out, but distributing on a small scale regionally as well. And, you know, Stone obviously does that as well, but Carl Strauss, you know, I think that they have situated themselves as a business in a very safe, uh, comfortable way. And I, I mean, I don't know the, the goings on there. Maybe they're having trouble and I just don't know about it, but I, I feel safe ordering a Carl Strauss beer pretty much any any day that's that's pretty high praise actually i i i mean being able to do any beer well is is not actually that easy their aurora hoppialis is tip top i mean i really if, if you can get your hands on it it's unless it's oxidized or something i don't know i don't know why they are still embracing bottles instead of more cans but that's that's their journey i don't know hopefully they'll, <laughs> they'll get out of that but uh, yeah, old school, old school breweries. Um, when you when you go into bottles, then uh, yeah. Anyway, that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. So uh, one thing, you know, everybody, I I don't think there's a person who knows San Diego status that doesn't think San Diego is a is an IPA town. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it only an IPA town? What's the drinking culture like in San Diego, and especially what is what is cool about San Diego that people don't know about San Diego? Gosh, I mean, we are an IPA town. <laughs> we are. And if you if you are here and you don't like IPAs, you probably will when you leave because <laughs> you can't help but learn to love them because that's 75% of what's coming out of here. But so many of them are good. I mean, uh, you know, society is putting out insane IPAs, Burning Beard, Second Chance, all, Pure Project. All these, not to mention the people like Alice Point and Coronado and Alesmith. These are great, great, great IPAs coming out of there. So, I mean, I don't think that anybody coming here would be surprised at the amount of IPAs available anywhere. Um, and that certainly doesn't seem to have slowed down at all over the last couple of years. But as far as what would surprise people, I mean, I do like to think that our sheer number of breweries can seem daunting, but we truly do have a very, very tight-knit, friendly beer scene. And I think that it is in part two, when you think about the San Diego stereotype, it's, you know, uh, cool, cool bud and waves and fish tacos and uh, <laughs> it's all, but it, and it's all true, you know, it's all true. Good fish but, tacos, I can attest. Yeah, well. <laughs> but I mean, you know, we talked about thing. we talked about it being a border town. I think that the the cross border collaborations that have kind of taken root over the last couple of years, I think that that is one of the more exciting things happening here, and one that I think would be easy to miss if you weren't very involved in what's going on in the beer community. Um, and it's it's just a handful of people for now, but I think it's been simmering for a long time. And I think that it will become more and more 
common and interesting and easier to access with places like, you know, with the South Bay uprising, the people uh, and communities who who are very, very close to the border and the relationships that they're cultivating there and breweries like South Norte who are brewing on both sides of the border. I think that's going to be an interesting development. Uh, Again, once COVID kind of figures itself out. I think that'll be uh, a really interesting thing to see how how San Diego influences TJ and vice versa. So I have a lot of questions about that. Patrick, I, I, <laughs> I've been asking all the questions. Do you have anything you want to add before I jump into the, the this, this we, we mind this vein of interest? Uh, no, go ahead. I, I, you know, what I'm interested in is the pivot is the sort of the new scene. So we'll get there. Right. Yeah. And I think this is part of part of that. So maybe this is a nice transition. Um, I know that Baja. uh, So Baja is from from Tijuana South Mm -hmm. is kind of the leading region of Mexican craft brewing because (laughs) they everybody goes to San Diego. Right. So they're they're like we 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 get to we get to sit at the feet of the best so it's it's really supercharged uh Baja's scene and I know uh, Tijuana has a number of pretty darn cool breweries mm-hmm. so talk a little bit about that communication that's happening the collaborations how is uh the how are Tijuana breweries affecting uh, San Diego if at all I would say it's a little too early for it to be that kind of reciprocal influence. But I also don't want to sell any of the Mexican breweries short and say, oh, they're just, you know, taking it's not little San Diego. I think that they're taking the best parts of San Diego and starting to figure it out. I've gone down there many times uh, and not just TJ, Ensenada, Rosarito, you know, not as far down as Cabo. But uh, I mean, that North Baja region really is where things are happening and they've got their own OGs that are that are happening. It's not just places that have been I mean it's mostly places that have been popping up over the last five years, but I mean Insurgente is one of those kind of powerhouses that has had um, you know, they've had a little bit of difficulty with the local government and their and their brew house, but that's that's a whole other conversation. But I, I would say that they are not significantly impacting us yet, but it really, at, at kind of face value, what is happening down there is very, very reminiscent of what happened here 10 or 15 years ago. And so I think that they have the potential to learn from the mistakes San Diego has made, the successes that they've made, and they could really dial it in. And obviously there's going to be a couple of, there's going to be some differences just in terms of being able to source materials and water quality and things like that, that just aren't one-to-one they're going to have they're going to struggle with that and i think that they the thing that will set them apart is there's a there is an attitude there from brewers that is so willing to make mistakes and in, in the name of innovation that i think san diegans now they feel they have this reputation to live up to that if they make something that they're like this isn't what I thought it was going to be, or, you know, they've got to dump it or whatever. It's, it's, it's like almost this shameful thing. Like they feel like they have to always be, you know, have this facade of perfection and we're the best and this and that. And I think that that is good because it pushes up us to a high level, but the, the price is maybe 
a little bit of adventure and, and that, that sense of innovation and experimentation, I think we might have lost a little bit. And I see that in Baja and that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. There's a, um, there's a, a, a freshness to anybody who comes to a thing new, uh, which is delightful. And the Mexican breweries and especially the, uh, the, the Baja breweries really have that. It's, it's a cool thing. And I, I mean, if you're, if you're traveling from very far away and you, you, you're going to San Diego, it's probably worth taking a trip south of the border because it's just right there. Agreed. It's literally 20 minutes from my house. I mean, it, it, it seems overwhelming for people if you aren't used to it, but I promise you it's, it's worth it for an afternoon. You'll have a great time and great beer and great tacos and great people. Yeah. I highly recommend <laughs> yeah and i mean I, I you know people don't really talk about that so much when they talk about san diego but you know very few places in the united states have our border towns with another country and it's a huge asset and it's super cool yeah you certainly don't have to leave san diego to get any of those things we have all of those here too but you know right. it's something new and i like to think that you know i'm I'm a white lady, I'm 35. It's not that weird when I walk into a brewery. Yes, I suppose it's a little strange that I'm a woman, but like nowadays it's it's truly not that big of a deal. I like to go to Mexico specifically to put myself outside of my comfort zone and say, gosh, I don't speak this language or I'm not I'm not buddies with this brewer or something like that. I'm going to have a very authentic experience and I might be able to experience a little bit of a change of perspective that I wouldn't be able to get in San Diego. And I think that that just goes into the benefits of international travel. But I think the fact that I'm able to do it in a day and still be back in the comfort of my own bed in, you know, no problem. It's it's such a it's such a benefit and such a gift to to be able to do that here in San Diego. But like I said, you certainly don't have to leave to get good beer. Right. All right, Patrick, take us to the future. Yeah. So I'm just now uh, wanting to learn about what the sort of newest, latest, what are the trends, what are the, the hot new brewers that have popped up in the San Diego scene? What should I look out for? Well, I'm very excited because Doug Hasker is who I would consider to be the brewer who's making the best loggers in the region. And uh -huh. he was a little bit out of commission because he was at Gordon Biersch, which closed a couple of years ago, and yep. they transitioned to Puesto. So he's going to be focusing still on loggers, but a lot of uh, Mexican loggers. And they literally opened, I think, yesterday or the day before. Finally, Ooh. finally. So the brewery is operational, you know, obviously right now it's all either to go or I think eating in the parking lot or whatever, but I'm really looking forward to uh, checking him back in action because he's, he's the logger king, but. And the brewery's I, name again is? Uh, Puesto. It's actually a Mexican restaurant, but, okay. uh, but yeah, he's, he's got a, I think it's the same, it's the same space. It's the same brew house system. And so he's, you know been right. working on that for years and years and years and i think his loggers are i don't expect them to be anything less than incredible because that's what they've always been right uh, I, I would say a lot of a lot of places are putting out great loggers right now i think it's probably partially just maybe you know a little bit of hop fatigue or, or whatever but people kind of got time to be a little patient right now with the way things are going so, <laughs> 
also uh, another place to get phenomenal lagers, Epic. Epic just opened a great brew house up in super tip-top North County, but they also have one of the most picturesque tap rooms right on San Diego Bay, their waterfront beer garden. That is just an incredible place to kick back, have a lager, have, you know, have a Schwartz beer or whatever, and watch, watch San Diego Harbor. It's, it's great. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I would also say West Coast IPAs are still holding strong. Hazies are still holding strong. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as beer trends, beer style trends, it's, it's kind of hard to predict right now because everyone is just going stir crazy at home and kind of going in a million different directions. But I do think that there are certain places that are setting the tone for what the beer scene is and what it what it's going to be in the future. I think Burning Beard, uh, and they've got such an emphasis on beer education for, you know, their, their beer tenders are just so, so, so well-versed in describing the history of beer, the, the taste of beer to people who might just be getting into craft beer and might be have been into it for 20, 30 years. So Burning Beard and El Cajon is, is really leading the way as well as i would say pure project in terms of beer education and having those those discussions with uh, consumers i think that that's going to be more and more and more important and commonplace and frankly overdue i i I think more people need to be more open about that and not assume that people who walk in know everything there is to know about beer because frankly nobody does Mm -hmm. okay so uh san diego is the uh IPA capital still makes tons of IPAs, as you've said, but we've had this hazy revolution and uh, we have San Diego as kind of the, the classic uh, West coast producer of, of a particular kind of uh, really clear, clean IPAs. So where are uh, San Diego IPAs now that hazies have come, come along are, are, is it is it side by side or are we seeing some kind of fusion or what's happening not so much fusion i would say that they are certainly a little more scarce than hazies um i would say every brewery regardless of how good they are and good i'm using in very loose terms has a hazy if not more Mm -hmm. the really good breweries who've got it dialed in and know what they're doing they're still putting out some west coast ipas so you know, some of the, I had one of the best ones I've ever had in my entire life. Recently, Second Chance put uh, put out a West Coast IPA called Better Days. And I mean, it was, it blew me away. I mean, it brought me back to OG Alpine Duet, which is in my, controversial, but better than Nelson. Quote me on that. But, uh, <laughs> Well, you know, the, the West Coast IPA heyday, uh, you know, which I think has come and gone. But, yeah, they're they're not as available as Hazy's, but they're they're certainly not unavailable. That's interesting. So even even San Diego has given away to given way to Hazy's. That that says something. We are we are a very transient uh, <laughs> community. There's a lot of people who come and go. So. Right. Yeah, California. We're uh, we're up here on the West Coast, so we see that too. Yeah. Uh, okay. Give us uh, give us your best breweries. Uh, somebody's coming to San Diego, Ooh. and you need you, you want them to get the taste of San Diego. 
Um, so uh, I'll let you, you know, parse this however you want, but where would you send them and why? Honestly, if I could only send you to one brewery. Well, you probably have more slots than one, but yeah, yeah let's start I there. I, I don't know if I could just do that. I mean, Alesmith is, is truly a, a wonder in itself. The, the facility uh, is phenomenal. They have just an absolute boatload of beers on draft. It's a huge variety. They have a barrel aging room. They've got a great patio. There's always food. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. I, I really can't. <laughs> I can't speak highly enough about what the Alesmith crew is doing, and they've been doing it for such a long time. Uh, society. Society is, like so many other breweries, in kind of a little industrial spot right off the freeway. And, I mean, their, their pupil, their harlot, their, their hoppy stuff is just it's, – if, if it's society, it's good. It is. And they're, they're – <laughs> They are a great crew of people. I I just Doug is is a phenomenal brewer. Everybody there has got smiles on their faces. And despite being one of the best breweries in San Diego, they are just not they're not snotty. And you do get that in a couple places. And that's just not the society way. So I, I really like what they're doing. I think you know if you're looking for something hazy, Pure Project is sort of hard to beat. It's you know you get a pint of uh, of something and it's 10 bucks but there's 18 ingredients in it and you can taste every single one of them individually i mean that in itself is a feat and so they're they're not for everybody but they're certainly they know what they're doing um, and is that p-e-e-r or p-e-i-r pure purity p-u-r-e oh pure okay i got you thank you but uh, I mean, modern times, you know, it's, it, I feel like modern times, honestly, locally gets that left out of the conversation because they're kind of their own planet. They're, they're doing their thing. And you've got them up there in Portland. I'd be interested to know kind of your perception of, of modern times. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I think uh, modern times Portland has tried to figure out how to adapt to the Portland scene, which is, which is different than San Diego. So, uh, they have the classic, uh, flagship beers, but then they're also doing other stuff. And I think, um, I think it's interesting. They've done a lot of collaborations and I know that, uh, in the brewing industry, a lot of the other brewers love to work with them. Um, and I, I, you know, I think Portland, Portland probably does have a little slightly broader palette than San Diego. So I think, they get into more loggers and others. They're, you know, allowed to do a little bit more of that stuff up here. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, of course, I don't know. They're doing a lot of hazies as well. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> business, so they're smart. Right. Yeah. Uh, it would be interesting to see with the Portland only beers and compare them to what what's happening in San Diego. I, I think, um, it, you know, they're you, you you become a part of your local culture, and so uh, Modern Times is very much a Portland brewery up here now. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're putting out good stuff and similar similar to uh, Pure Project. They're not for everybody, but they're churning stuff out and it seems to be working out well for them. So I would also say Chula Vista Brewery. I don't think that they got a lot of credit until recently because as of, as of now, they're the only black owned brewery in the entirety of San Diego. And I certainly wow. hope that 
I certainly hope that that changes. Um, and I could talk about, you know, the systemic barriers that, that uh, people faced when trying to, to launch a business such as a brewery that is so capital, you know, reliant on capital. But I think that they have been getting a lot of attention and rightfully so. And I look for, and I believe that they just announced that they are expanding to a second location still in the South Bay area. And so I think that that is uh, really exciting. And I, I look forward to seeing what they're doing. So what about uh, some breweries that might be more obscure, newer uh, breweries to look out for? What, what would you, what do you have your eye on? What would you like if somebody wanted a secret insider tip to the cool brewery no one knows about stuff like that? I really, I've said it many times. I think that home brewing company is the most underrated brewery in San Diego. It started as a homebrew shop. Uh, I think it won the homebrew shop of the year um, in like 2018 or something like that. George Thornton is the owner. He is one of the absolute most knowledgeable brewers and beer educators that I've ever met in my entire life. I mean, he's, he's Cicerone, he's BJCP. He's been doing this for years and years and years. And so the space is in North park. It's just off the 30th. So I think people go buy it uh, a little bit because it's, it's very small and it's half homebrew shop, half tap room. And when I said, you can't find a dark mild in San Diego, you can find, <laughs> That's you can find one at homebrewing company and they, they do a lot of classic stuff, a lot of clean things, but they also do a little bit of experimentation. I think they usually have about, I don't know, I'd say 15 beers on tap at any given time. And if you stop by there, you are not just guaranteed to get a phenomenal flight or pint of beers. You are going to have a great conversation you are gonna walk out of there knowing something more about beer than you did when you walked in and so i really recommend everybody check out home brewing company and george is super super nice so he's what oh george george he's a brewer he's the owner brewer yeah yeah gotcha cool all right that's great that's a great tip uh those are often the 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 funnest places to go is the place no one's talking about yet so that's cool now i want to go there you really, <laughs> you really should check them out they've they've just they even do uh i think it's a monthly or bi-weekly community cleanup where the people who work there and anybody any other volunteer they just walk around north park and pick up trash and you know they're just very very invested in the community and i just i, I can't speak enough praise very cool. Okay. I think we're uh, probably getting close to running out of time here. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you'd like to highlight here before we go on out? Well, you did mention a couple of, uh, you know, or kind of ask the question, the future of beer. And I honestly, even in San Diego, I feel like the future of beer might not be beer. You know, athletic brewing is here in San Diego, and they are oh, yeah. non-alcoholic beer. Um, That's beer. Yeah, <laughs> they're doing non-alcoholic. I don't know, hop water, whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, and that's and that's here in San Diego. We've got hard kombucha places like Local Roots and Boochcraft and June Shine. 
they're very connected with the beer industry because it's just becoming the alcohol beverage industry. There's plenty of breweries who are making hard seltzer. And even when you look at purists like the Lost Abbey and Port Brewing, they just launched a new brand of like Goza style Brett infused beers because they basically said the industry is tapped out of the core consumer. So uh, I think that really the future of beer might not be beer. And it's, it's certainly um, a conversation here in San Diego and, and beyond. I, I know that. So we'll, we'll you know, see how that goes. Boy, that's a, a grim note to end on, but, uh, <laughs> but I ask and you answer. So there we go. There you go. Uh, all right, Patrick, you got anything else going out? No, well, as a synopsis, I just was taking notes here. So sort of here's my, um, here's my take on kind of the, uh, the Beth Demon uh, guide to San Diego beer is uh, sort of old school places to visit would be Stone, Pizza Port, Carl Strauss. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ones to, to, to uh, keep on your list, Pure Project, Society, Modern Times, Alesmith, and Chula Vista Brewing. And then the sort of hidden gem, the Home Brewing Company. Yeah. Does that sound good? Honestly, I would take Modern Times off my recommendation list because Oh. I don't I, if we're trying to dilute it, I'm just saying that they, they are its own <laughs> they are its own planet. Again, like they I'm not sure that I would go so far as to say they are representative of San Diego beer. And that is not a criticism. Okay. That's just an observation. Right. <laughs> right. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. You you can visit them when you come to Portland. <laughs> That's fine. Right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Uh, that's really funny. If you can get Excellent. outside San Diego, then I, then I'm like, why go? You know, right? Right. <laughs> that's so funny. I just did my uh, top my top breweries in Portland, and I put them on there because I knew people would give me hell if I didn't. So, uh, it's, it's funny. I'm like same with Stone, but I mean Stone is, a, you know, they're OG. I, you can't. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you got to do what you got to do. So. But, Part uh, of your tour should be sort of a historical review of, you know, you, you can't just you can't just do the newest latest, right? Well, and we, we, we came to you because we wanted your strong opinions, and uh, that's that's great. Uh, I think um, somebody just wishy-washy and, and says everything's great is not somebody we want to talk to. So oh, thank we've you got, for... Oh, yo, yeah, we've got plenty of crap places, but... <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to talk about those. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, Beth Demon down there in San Diego. Uh, I would love to tell you we would see you see you soon, but um, uh, it may not be soon. But we would love to see you sometime and share a beer at maybe a, a home or uh, one of these other places you've mentioned. Indeed. I, yeah, I would love that. I, I did uh, regrettably cancel my flight to GABF this year, but you know, fingers crossed. Yeah. Twenty. We'll see. Yeah, we're all in that boat. Mm-hmm. So we'll just. Uh, keep watching the news and make plans when it looks safe and just wear, wear your masks, people. Just right. wear your masks. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> totally. Yeah, totally. All right. Well, thank you so much, Beth. Uh, we really appreciate this and um, we will catch you sometime down the road. Sounds good. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. Thanks, Beth. All right, cheers. Cheers. All right. Thanks to Beth Demon for that great uh, tour virtually of uh, San Diego, one of uh, the world's great beer cities. Uh, do go visit once it's safe to do so. Uh, we'd like to thank her for her time and, uh, and generosity and um, taking us through. And insight. And, in- and insight. Uh, and I can't wait to taste the beer, man. Absolutely. <sighs> It'll be over eventually. I know. I know. 
Uh, uh, come well, on, vaccine makers, let's go. Why, why don't we? Why don't we just go ahead and bookmark uh, some some like December January trip to San Diego? What do you think? Oh, San Diego in the winter is fabulous. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do All it. Right. When the when the, the gloom and the gray <laughs> of the Pacific Northwest gets too great, yeah, we we'll go hang out in San Diego, drink beer, and sit on the beach. Oh, let's do it. All right. A few words going out. Please subscribe on Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rate us. Five stars, please. That helps other listeners find the show. We'd love to hear from you, please. Uh, the last couple podcasts have been absent a mailbag, uh, partly due to time constraints, but also partly due to mailbag constraints. That's right. <laughs> so do send us your comments, questions, uh, opinions, uh, whatever you want to send us. Yeah, do, do, you have, do you have other hot tips that Beth didn't touch on in, in San Diego? Yeah, absolutely. Tell us what we missed in San Diego or, or what's up and coming that we should we should seek out. Uh, Jeff at BeerVanaBlog.com is the email to use. Or if you want to contact us on Twitter, we're at BeerVanaPod. <laughs> Jeff blogs at the BeerVana blog and he tweets it at BeerVana. And Patrick tweets at BeerNomics. All right. Well, I have no beer, but I can cheers you anyway. Yeah, uh, me too. Uh, wish you Godspeed, and uh, uh, I look forward to getting back together where we can share a beer. Actually, uh, outdoors now we can we can share a beer here and there, but travel is out of the question. So That's true. one day, one day travel will happen, and we will start traveling again. Indeed. All right. Uh, cheers, Patrick. Cheers, Jeff. <laughs>